Welcome to the Discovering Your Soul podcast with me, Nina. I'm here to remind you that you are not alone in your healing and self-discovery journey. There is light in even the darkest seasons of life, and by sharing our stories and listening to the stories of others, we collectively heal our planet and one another. Thank you for being here, my friend, and for including me in your journey of discovering your soul. and welcome to another episode of the Discovering Your Soul podcast. Today, I have a guest, Janae, who is a certified health and life coach and founder of Liberty Coaching, where she helps women improve their emotional and physical health so they can begin to heal their mother wound. Her own personal transformation has inspired her to lead others to do the same. She is passionate about helping women take empowered action so they can become a generational cycle breaker and heal their own life. And these are the very topics that we both get into in this episode. We talk about the mother wound. Janae vulnerably shares how the mother wound showed up in her life, which isn't what you think it can show up as. And that leads us to go into how one can explore the mother wound, ways that you can start to heal your mother wound. This episode is just full of so much useful information for anyone out there that is either in this healing journey of understanding familial patterns, ancestral trauma, and finding ways that we can heal from what has come before us. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed recording it with her, and thank you for listening. I'm so excited to have you on the Discovering Your Soul podcast today, and just, it's just an honor to be here with you. How have you been? Hi, Nina. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about this. Me too. I'm excited to see what will arise from our conversation. So the first question I want to ask you is, what is something that you have recently discovered about yourself? Yeah. So recently, I've discovered that I no longer need to restrict food in order to love my body. (laughs) And, you know, it's such a simple statement, right? But just saying it out loud, there's been so many years of like (laughs) frustration and I've had a lot of body image issues, right? As a lot of women do. And thinking back, like when my relationship with food and my body image issues started, It's obviously been all my life, but I think with food, I had an unhealthy relationship, I want to say maybe 11 years now. And now I feel like I'm just finally in a place where I no longer have to restrict. I still am able to like eat healthy foods, really crave those healthy foods. And it's just a part of who I am now. But that restriction was something that would take me into this like downward spiral because when I would restrict and I, I mean, I obviously had a little bit of shame going on, right? It it just, it made me feel really bad about my body. And so to say now I'm in this like healthy space where if I do have something and I'm going to give you just an example, if I have cookies or pizza or whatever, I don't even think twice about it. 
Whereas before it was like, oh my God, what did you do? You're going to gain weight, you know? I feel like a lot of women go through that, right? But to say that you've done the work and you're in a space where you can look at your body in the mirror, even if you've gained a couple pounds, right? Because our body fluctuates. It's very powerful. It's very, very powerful. So I think just to finally be in this place where I'm okay, it's just amazing. And it's not to say that I don't have triggers (laughs) because I do, right? I'm human. And, you know, through healing, we all know that there's not an ending in our journey and it's not linear. So we're constantly having to put in the work, but now it's not as much work as it used to be. That is so beautiful. And I'm just at awe right now about how the universe always brings in people and experiences and things that you know align because this is legitimately what I've spent the last 48 hours on is I've been thinking about ways that I can heal my relationship with food because I also for as long as I can remember have always had fluctuating body image and I think you're right I think that's very common with women unfortunately because of society and media and industry food industry cosmetic industry right beauty industry all of that that there we we grow up with these unhealthy models yes all these standards for what it means to be healthy or beautiful or right clothing size and and things like that so that's something that i literally have been thinking about the past 48 hours as someone that has tried different diets and has been really restrictive. And none of that brought me any actual empowerment, which I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying is that there can be a lot of empowerment in just honoring our body and just honoring our intuition, of course, with what foods just taste good to us and what we just want to have. So I'd love to hear more about what were some of the first steps that you took in this journey that you're on right now? I honestly didn't realize my issues with food had nothing to do with food (laughs) Um, until I started my certification for health and life coaching. So I've been a health and life coach now for about three years. And when I started the certification, I learned so much about myself and my beliefs and why I do the things that I do. And of course, I was surrounded by a community of supportive people, like-minded people, people that were there to help me through my healing process. So I think for me, what helped me was being around supportive people, being around people that are going to help you to heal and to push you into the best version of yourself. But what I really discovered was that one of the reasons why I had this sort of like body shame and I developed this type of restrictive eating was because I have a mother wound. And essentially what that is, is an attachment uh, trauma, basically. So as a child, right, my mother was unemotionally, emotionally unavailable for my needs. So then I developed these beliefs, right, that I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, right? Like I need to do things, I need to be perfect in order to get her attention. So that thought process kind of followed me into my adult life. And so we tend to do things subconsciously because we just don't know where they come from, right? And um, I think the need to be perfect, quote unquote, right, 
that's where it came from. So essentially what happened is my relationship with my mother kind of set the tone for my relationship with my husband. And so subconsciously, I was thinking that I need to restrict food. I need to have ideal abs, right? I need to look a certain way so that he loves me, so that he doesn't leave me. Obviously, that's not the case, right? If you ask him, he's not going to say that. And if you ask my mom, she's not going to say that. But in my mind, I developed these beliefs that I'm not good enough and that I have to be perfect. And if I'm not perfect, then nobody's going to want me. When people try to lose weight or gain weight or whatever, it really has nothing to do with the food. I mean, of course, food can be addictive, right? Like Doritos are addicting. But I mean, it really has to do with what your beliefs are about yourself and why we turn to food or why we restrict food in my case. And so it's crazy to think that out of all those years, and it happened like right after I had my son, right? I just was like, oh my God, I got to get back to the weight that I was before. I got to look good. And it just, it was all this pressure. So back to your question, like what helped me? I think just kind of knowing how I grew up, what was I lacking as a child? A big part of healing is doing that inner child work to heal those wounded parts of you. Doing inner child healing and shadow work, really just getting down to the bottom of self-love. You could tell yourself all these things like, you're amazing, you're great, and you could practice affirmations, but if you're not believing it in your heart, if it's not at the emotional level, it doesn't matter. I think just really doing the work by just kind of learning how to accept myself, learning ways to cope with things, working out, um, going out in nature, meditating, really just being around people who are positive in your life and letting go of things that are negative. Because believe it or not, those things, those you know, negative things or people will lead to burnout. And there's no way that you can heal when you're in this burnt out sort of state. All of those things just really helped me. And, you know, the coaching program that I learned through my coaching certification has helped me. And that's, you know, what I use for my coaching clients as well, because it's just so transformative. I mean, it really like helps you at the level of belief and identity. Yeah, those are some of the things that have helped me and that I'm super grateful for. That's so beautiful. I relate to pretty much everything you just said. (laughs) I agree with everything. And I think there is so much that we could unpack. I mean, inner child healing has been a big, big, big part of my healing journey recently. Uh, Regulation in nature, like nervous system regulation and connecting to my intuition. I think you're bringing up a really beautiful point that sometimes we can all get very lost in is that it's really about our inner world. There are so many things that we could do on the outside that we are wanting an outcome from, but until we really go within and until we actually look at the mindsets that we have and the subconscious beliefs and the programming, our trauma, our family of origin, our patterns that we have, then there's going to be a lot of resistance no matter what we do if we don't really work internally and at least become aware. At least first step is just like becoming aware. 
in the first place, right? It's just that self-discovery, that like self-awareness of like, okay, what is my mindset right now? Oh, yeah. I would like to ask actually for any listeners who are listening and wondering, do I have a mother wound that I'm not sure? Do you have some some words on how someone can tell that they have a mother wound or how can it manifest in one's life? Yeah, that's a great question. So so some of the signs um, are obviously, number one, how is your relationship with your mother? Do you feel like you connect with her? Do you feel like she doesn't even know who you are, <laughs> right? Is she there for you? Is she or was she your go-to person as a child? So that's the first and obvious sign is what was your relationship like with her? And then, you know, a couple things that kind of play into that is, a lot of people with mother wound have a lot of shame. They feel unworthy. They're people pleasers, right? They feel like they have to take care of everybody because if you have a mother wound, your mother was emotionally unavailable for you. And so you feel like you have to be the one to be there for everybody. Um, perfectionism <laughs> is one of them. And you can kind of see how is your relationship with others, with your friends, with your significant other? What does that look like, right? Because sometimes the way that your relationship was with your caregivers or your mom kind of plays out into your relationship with your spouse, right? So it's good to kind of, again, bring in awareness, kind of take a look and see what what's happening in my life right now, right? And so kind of checking off those things that I that I mentioned, shame, perfectionism, unworthiness, that would be a good start. And then kind of seeing like, okay, well, how how am I relating in my relationship with my spouse or my significant other? Because if there's like a disconnect there, when we have a relationship with our parents, we tend to kind of mimic whatever is going on in that environment, and then bring it into our other relationships. So, you know, we may feel like we are emotionally unavailable. So kind of taking a look at that too, right? I know a big one for me, um, what I noticed was that I had trouble with intimacy for years. Like even, I mean, I'm barely getting better with my husband, okay? <laughs> like, And I'm not talking, it doesn't have to be sexual. I'm just talking about like emotional intimacy too. Hard for me to like share something. If I did share it, I'm like crying because I can't control my emotions, right? So what is your what does your relationship look like on an intimate level? Are you able to express your emotions? Do you suppress them? And how do you handle those emotions? How do you cope with them? Do you turn to food? Do you turn to alcohol? Right. So a couple of ways to kind of notice around that if you do have a mother wound. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of awareness that can be built from attachment, like you're bringing up. And I know that on this podcast, I've definitely brought up attachment many times, either guest or, or just within myself. And even in my own personal journey, my therapist and I just did a very in-depth attachment assessment with both of my caregivers. And it was really interesting how that looked and how you're right, absolutely is reflected in for me, it's like friendships, even like friendships, work colleagues, definitely oh, yeah. my relationship, uh, even just my relationship with myself. So and if you can speak to it, how does the mother wound versus a father wound, for example, show up in somebody and how do they know or do you think they both are 
synergistic or do you think that they can manifest differently? If you could speak to that. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I think it's the same. And I'm speaking from like client experiences, right? And my own experience. Like that's all I can kind of speak from is through experience. So I, in addition to having a mother wound, have a father wound. Me too. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's like, here we are. Um, so yeah, so it's the same. Although with my father wound, I have this like idea that like everybody's going to leave me, right? That like nobody wants me. They they're going to think I'm weird and they're going to and if they get to know me they're going to take off, right? That fear of fear of abandonment, right? That fear of abandonment really like it, it was a struggle for a while. Um because that's exactly what would happen, right? Um my dad would be in my life for a little bit and then he would just take off and split. I think it's some of the same there's the same qualities there, obviously, but I think with the mother because really with the mother, that's our first relationship, our first like world, essentially, right? That's all we know is our mother from the minute that we're conceived to being in the in the womb, right? And then coming out into life. For me, it hits me more with the mother wound because my mom was more a part of my life than my father was. Um, but I, I do think that there's definitely similarities in there for sure. And I think it also can apply to even caregivers that were not biological or single parents, right? And even, you know, there are those that have entered through the foster system or being adopted. And so I, I feel like it, it doesn't have to even be blood related, right? It's really just who was present. Yes. Those really early, very important developmental ages yeah. when we are learning to attach and form secure attachment with others and, and intimacy and connection. Mm-hmm. My mother and father wounds definitely show up differently because my attachment is very different with each parent, almost like polar opposite attachment. So they show up in different ways. And I think that it's it's really beneficial for anyone listening to really just take some time to reflect and and like you said, just reflect on the relationship with each caregiver. It doesn't have to even be a parent, right? Just whoever was a, an adamant part of your your early years and just noticing if there are similarities perhaps in present day connections with that attachment trauma. I really love that. I think that's huge, right? That, you know, when we think of trauma, everyone's minds go to so many places, but there is a lot of, at least for me, I've definitely had to move through a lot of challenges with just attachment trauma with caregivers and how that can show up. So what would you say for anyone who's listening and they're like beginning this journey, they're just like totally beginning their healing journey with this. What would you say are some very small steps? So we talked about self-discovery and self-awareness and just simply assessing your relationship with your caregivers. What would you say would be a next step that is small and helps someone progress along that that journey to do healthy and healing things for themselves and their inner child and so forth? Yeah, that's a great question. So my advice would be, and of course, everybody's different, right? To kind of reach out for help. I think that may be the best route to go so you're not so overwhelmed with things like, what do I do? I mean, a therapist is good, a friend reach out to a friend and let them know like, hey, is there something I can chat with you about? Something's been coming up for me. And I just want to kind of get it out, right? Um, Your significant other or even a sibling. I know that for me, the first person that really helped me was my sister. 
And so obviously we grew up in the same household, but you know, there were several times where I would ask her to like, am I too sensitive? Am I blowing this out of proportion? Was it really that bad? Like, is this real? (laughs) Right. And she was like, Janae, if you think it's real, it's real, right? Those are your feelings. And so my sister really did help me kind of get the help that I needed. But I think reaching out to someone and kind of getting it out there will help rather than holding it in. And then maybe just kind of, for me, I think going out in nature and just exploring and kind of being in touch with that and your feelings and notice where where the emotions stuck at? What am I feeling? Like, where do I feel heaviness, right? Because for me, I was angry for many, many years. And I know that I couldn't sleep at night with that anger. And I noticed like in my chest, my chest was very, very heavy. So just noticing where that is in your body, trying to breathe into that, right? Whether if it's in your chest, it's in your stomach, it's in your back, wherever it may be, just really kind of breathe into that so that you can kind of release some of those heavy emotions because it could be a lot to deal with. I agree. And I love, I love that you brought in that somatic awareness aspect of stuck emotions. I mean, that, that is something I could talk about for hours about, about the link between our, our mind and our body and link between our emotions and how they can really be in certain areas of our body. And oftentimes, I mean, a simple exercise that anyone could do is notice the day that you're stressed. Where are you holding the stress, right? A lot of us hold it in our shoulders, our neck, our jaw, our head, right? For some people in their stomach um, or all of the above, right? So I think that's a very simple way to start that somatic awareness. I love that that has been really beneficial for for you as well as myself um, in really getting in touch with our inner world and just also allowing us to just sit with these emotions and just honor that they're there. We don't need to make them go away right away and that they're giving us information. Oh, absolutely. They're messengers and we need to really embrace that. I think sometimes we tend to go more towards logic (laughs) and it's like we could go down this like spiral of all these things that we need to make sense out of. But if we can understand that our body holds so much wisdom, right? And just taking a moment in this busy world to stop and listen to what your body is saying, your body will guide you. I 100% believe in that 100%. I feel like adding meaning or rationalizing stuff brings us comfort because we want answers. We want certainty, right? We're like, oh, this means this. And I still totally get caught in that cycle. I mean, I just did that last night. I was like spiraling, catastrophizing about something. And my my partner was just like, yeah, it's okay. You don't need to know right now. Like it doesn't need to mean anything. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't need to mean something. It's okay to just feel like this, you know? So I think that that is part of that discomfort that will arise when we start this journey of healing, whatever that is, you know, when we're healing our mother wound, our father wound, healing from childhood trauma or healing relationship with our, with ourself and our worth and our values, right. And all of that, I think that there is that inevitable discomfort that pops up of like, this isn't happening as quickly as I would like for it to. <laughs> yeah, we live in this world of instant gratification. It's like, I want it now, you know, like stop. 
enjoy the discomfort. I think us as a society, we don't know how to do that. And I have to tell my kids too, you know what? You're going to be in pain sometimes. And that's just the way it is. And I sound like a horrible mom, but it's like, I have to let them know that, look, we're not going to always be around rainbows and unicorns. You know what I mean? Like life is part of having pain. It's normal, right? Like even when you're in labor, you are going to be in pain. And I think if you can like reframe or kind of shift the way that you think about discomfort or pain, um, I think that helps too, right? Like I know when I was in labor with my son, oh, I had, so I had him at home. Oh my gosh. Talk about the worst pain of my life. I had to tell myself, okay, each contraction is how your body is helping your baby move down the canal. That's what's going on, right? And in the middle of it, I was just, I just want this fucking thing to be over. But I had to tell myself that that's what was happening. My body was working to bring my baby down the canal. And I think sometimes when you have that little shift, it does wonders, at least for me, at least, right? Because it helps you to accept the fact that you're going to experience discomfort in life. And you're going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Right? You're going to be okay. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think you're right. And I think that pain and, and suffering is an inevitable part of life. And I think that's where what we were talking about earlier to circle back. That's where I think self-love and self-compassion can come in. And it's not going to make the pain go away. And I think at first, that was what I thought about the self-love journey is like, oh, the more I love myself, the more like everything's going to bounce off of me like rubber, right? And it's like, no, loving yourself just helps. It almost helps keep you nourished and grounded within yourself as things around you happen. We can't control anything that happens around us, right? Right, right. So it's like that self-love and that self-compassion is almost like wearing a cozy blanket while stuff is happening. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Self-love and self-compassion is like you're, you're staying grounded with yourself. Like even for you, you are being compassionate and loving to yourself of like, hey, this is a beautiful thing. I can do this. I can get through this. It's going to be okay. Right. It's almost like we're being what our friends say to us. You know, we go to our friends and we we vent about something and they're like being our, our hype people. Everything's going to be okay. You know, it's like, why can't we talk like that to ourselves? Yeah. You got to be, you got to be your own hype girl. <laughs> we need to be our own hype human. And I think that helps us in these moments of discomfort, right? Is knowing that we have our own back. And I think you're also bringing up a really beautiful point that has been a big part of my journey because I definitely swung over to being ultra independent as a result of attachment trauma and childhood trauma to the point where I'm like, I don't need anybody. I'm just going to do this all alone and blah, 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 blah. And now, you know, it's taken decades, but now I'm learning that we really can't heal alone. There's a lot of healing that is, I think, great to do alone, right? Like, I think there's a part of it that I think, for example, I had to learn to be okay with solitude at times, right? There was a time in my life when I could not be alone for the life of me. I had to always be around other people. And I think part of that learning how to be with myself and be okay with being with myself and, and a lot of that with self-love yes. was, was really beneficial yes. to do alone. And I think a lot of that healing is, I don't even want to use the word cemented, but I think that that extra 
beautiful part of healing is in connection and in community. And in that village, you know, if we think about our ancient civilizations and how it really took a village. Absolutely. I think sometimes it's important to go back to that. Like, think about our ancestors. You think that they'd be able to do this, you know, to live, to survive alone? No, they needed the help, right? And so if we can learn from them and kind of lean into that, like, it's so much more beautiful when somebody's able to help you in that process and hold space for you. I think it's not even that somebody has to like help you do anything or give you advice. I think them just holding space and letting you just be is just beautiful in and of itself. I agree. I think that I really love that the first action item step after self-awareness that you brought up was reaching out for help. And I think that that is one of the bravest things that we can do as humans is to ask for help. And I think sometimes it can be ingrained. And I certainly ingrained this within myself of like, oh, it makes me weak to ask for help. But in reality, that takes major strength and major bravery and courage to ask for help. And I think that's where a lot of the substantial healing has been in my mm -hmm. own life, has been when I've been in community, whether it's, or with others, whether it is seeing a therapist. You know, I've seen many therapists over the years and having somebody that can hold space or leaning on my friends, leaning on yeah. uh, different communities, support groups or women's groups, different, you know, courses that I've been in. So I, I completely agree with that. And I really love that. And I'd love to ask you, have you noticed any changes in your relationship with your mom after doing some of this work? There was an exercise that I did while coaching in my coaching program. What may be in your mother's back compartment, essentially like the area where we're not supposed to know what's going on with mom. And it was <laughs> very powerful to say the least. Like just to understand what she might be going through and the fact that she didn't have a mother. Her mother died at three when she was three years old. So she didn't have anyone to teach her. So she was basically learning on her own, mm. right? And just to know like how difficult it was for her and just to know that she did the best that she could or, you know, just accept what my past relationship was with her. I think that was very, very helpful because I don't have this anger towards her anymore. She is who she is. I accept her. I don't try to change her and I don't try to fix any of her problems anymore like I used to. <laughs> it was very frustrating. You know, you can't, you can't fix anybody and you can't help them if they don't want the help. And so I think I really set some boundaries with her that she doesn't come to me for certain things anymore. And so we know, like, I know what I could talk to her about. She knows what she could talk to me about, or she knows the comments she can make to me. And there's this line that was been drawn. And now our relationship is just very, it works. Of course, there are some things I would love to talk to her about. Of course, I would love her to like really know the real me and like know how passionate I am about this and growing, evolving, yada, yada. But it's okay that she doesn't. And I still love her. And so, yeah, I think there is a huge difference in our relationship now. That's so beautiful. And I can just hear the freedom, that freedom from the idea that, Anyone around us is someone we can change. 
especially I think a lot of us probably grow up, I certainly relate to this a lot, where I've tried so hard to the point of exhaustion to get my parents to change, to make them more self-aware, to have them go to therapy, to have them do self-help stuff and personal development. And I think it. I've also reached that level of peace and acceptance of they are who they are and they will change when they want to change, but there's nothing that I can really do except for what I can do within me. That's all I can do. That's all I can make choices for. I can't make them do anything. And I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of freedom in that. Oh, absolutely. It's just so nice to like go to bed at night and not have any issues with my mom, letting her be who she is, but still being able to be there for her, you know, still being able to hold space for her, to still love her, to still do things with her, be excited to see her, loving her for who she is, not for who I want her to be, (laughs) right? It's just, um, it's awesome. That's so beautiful, loving her for who she is and not who I want her to be. I think that's something that anyone listening can can really take in very deeply and apply it to really many people in our lives, right? Of just honoring who they are and loving them for who they are and not who we are wanting them to be for us, for our comfort. And you also brought up a really big part of healing, which is that ancestral trauma and passing down of wounds, right? And I feel like I relate a lot when you mentioned how your mom had her own mother wound and then she had you and you also have a mother wound. That's definitely the same in my, both of my lineages, actually both paternal and maternal of like, I can see the ancestral wounding And, you know, we hear a lot about being the cycle breaker and really stopping that ancestral trauma and that trauma being passed down. And I wonder if you could speak to that, if you've had reflection on how you are probably the first in your line, right? It feels fucking amazing, first off, (laughs) okay? It's so empowering, right, to know that it stops here. It stopped here. And my daughter will not have that. My daughter will not know what it's like to have this disconnection from her mother, this emotional disconnection, right? Trouble with intimacy, right? Like all these things that I've gone through that I've tried so many years to work out. And it's amazing to feel this sense of accomplishment in that. It's very powerful and and I love it. And I just, I try to give her everything that I wanted as a child, right? Everything that my mom didn't do to me that I wanted. Of course, if she's okay with it, right? Because, you know, like kids are so different. But yeah, we're just, I love her. I love her soul. I love her spirit. She's just, she's amazing. And it feels so nice to like be able to have like a just really like healthy connection, emotional connection with her. I think now is the time. And I think this is what I want most for a lot of people is just to do the work and do the healing, you know, and be that cycle breaker. So it stops. If it continues, it, it's like a societal problem then, right? <laughs> when you don't heal because you like project. There are a lot of, a lot of wounded in their children walking around right now, projecting their unhealed wounds on people. Unfortunately, in power, not in power, everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, it feels really good to be the cycle breaker. It really does, for sure. I can relate to that. I'm definitely the cycle breaker in my family. And I think that you and I can both speak to how fucking hard it is, yes, too. Yes. Right? It, it almost feels like you're holding this 
boulder on your back of like, ah, you know, sometimes it's an uphill climb. It's yeah. an uphill climb, but there are so many beautiful moments and it yeah. agreed. There's this like wonderful feeling of being like, we're doing this. We're doing this for future generations. And I love how you spoke about that relationship with your daughter. My heart was like melting at how that must be such a rewarding experience to look at her and be like, it's, it's stopping with, with us. We're setting our generations up and your daughter's daughters and your daughter's kids, right? Your son's kids. It's so beautiful. And speaking of healing and doing the work, how can listeners work with you? If you could tell us where to find you, what you offer and how we can connect to you. Yeah, absolutely. So I offer a one-on-one coaching program. Um, it's a 90-day coaching program where we meet once a week through just like this video chat or a phone call if they prefer. Or you can go to my website at livityhealthcoach.com. Livity is spelled L-I-V-I-T-Y. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. I'm just speaking as a, a fan. I mean, you know, fellow cycle breaker, right? That your content just always speaks so deeply to me. It's like oh, everything you just... post, I'm just like, I know exactly how that feels or I could be feeling that right now. And so I really recommend everyone listening to connect to Janae, go to her Instagram, go to her website, work with her. I mean, just such phenomenal like content that's just, I think all of us could relate to what you post, honestly. And you have such a nourishing and comforting energy too. I don't know if I've ever told you that actually, but but I just, you have, you really have this like nurturing energy. <laughs> and you as well. Oh my, it's, it's like, you know, it's so nice was when you can talk to someone and they make you feel so comfortable, you know, and you're just like, oh, this is nice and lovely. You know, like I could sit here and talk to you for hours. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I'm just so excited to connect with you more and to just be on this healing journey with you as well. And to end the convo, I've been asking another question, which I didn't ask you ahead of time, but what brings you the most joy these days? The freedom I have to like be authentically me. And it took me a long time to get there. So I think just showing up as my authentic self, either you accept me or you don't. And if you don't, I'm completely fine with that. I think that brings me the most joy because it's been something that I've hid for so long that now it's just like, here I am. Yeah, I think me being my authentic self really does bring me the most joy these days. I love that. And I can imagine that the more that you are rooted in your authenticity, the more that you are really feeling pleasure and joyful activities and things and experiences and connections that are coming from that authentic place. So I really love that authenticity and that freedom and also the letting go of like, not everyone's going to dig it, you know, and that's okay. That's totally okay. Your energy is not for everybody. So you find where your energy is accepted. <laughs> exactly. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was, I feel like we got to have you back here again, because I feel like there's so much more that we could have know. unpacked from this conversation. And we really could talk for hours about this stuff, I'm sure. But I'm just so grateful to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. And I know that this is I know that many listeners will listen intently to everything you're saying in this conversation because I think I think you're really speaking to the human experience honestly. 
So I really appreciate that and, and for all the work that you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for having me. This was so much fun. And yeah, definitely let's do it again sometime. <laughs> definitely. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Discovering Your Soul podcast. I would love to connect with you through the information that is posted in the show notes. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your morning, your afternoon, or your evening. Take care and be well.